This Thanksgiving weekend, as we move into the Advent season beginning next Sunday, I'm going to preach a standalone message from a familiar passage, I'm sure to most of you, a passage from Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul, from a prison cell, writes about the secret of life. We find the secret of life from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4 through verse 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think of these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, in, in any and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. The secret of life. Who doesn't want to know the secret of life? Paul's use of the word secret here is in reference to that thing that is not available to everyone, but everyone wants it. That thing that seems mysterious, that thing that seems elusive to every human being, but doesn't naturally come to every single person. In life, if we admit it, acknowledge the reality, we're all in search of that secret. In life, we're all in search of that one thing that always seems right around the corner, just don't know how exactly we're going to attain it. We're always one job, one relationship, one vacation, one business deal, one house, one situation and circumstance and season away from discovering what the ultimate secret to life is. That thing, if I had it, would ultimately satisfy my soul forever. Paul here in Philippians 4 reveals the life that seems elusive and impossible. In Philippians 4, he describes a life of unshakable joy and unshakable contentment, regardless of the circumstance or situation in life. He reveals a life of unshakable joy and unshakable contentment, 
that seems elusive in this life. In this passage, Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of life. And thanks be to God that Paul not only discovers the secret, but he doesn't keep it to himself, but outlines it for us here in Philippians chapter 4. Paul's big secret of life. Let's study Philippians 4 together. The first thing that Paul reveals in finding and discovering the secret of life is his joy, Paul's joy. In verses 4 and 10, Paul talks about this joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He repeats this idea of rejoicing in verse 10. And the reason that Paul in a prison is able to find joy is because he understood where his joy ultimately could come from. In verses 4 and verse 10, where is his joy found in? In the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. What Paul is revealing is so important that even in a prison, as I'm rotting away, abandoned by friends, waiting to be martyred for my faith, my joy will not be muted because it's found not in my external circumstances, but he discovered that true joy is found in the Lord. I think what Paul does for us is so important because a worldly understanding of joy is this. Joy is not only found in my external circumstances, but joy is found after my darkest hour. If I somehow just get through the suffering, if I get through this difficult season, if I get through this hardship, then I will discover joy on the other side. That is a man-centered, worldly understanding of joy. What Paul reveals to us is that joy can be found even in the hard. That joy can be found even in the prison. That joy can be found even through suffering. You see, a Christ-centered perspective of joy is that even in the darkest hour of my life, I can experience unshakable joy. You notice in verse 4 and 10, he repeats himself. What Paul is doing here is practicing the discipline of repetition that I will repeat to my soul over and over again where my joy is found. Why? So when the bottom falls out and I find myself flat on my back, I have built up within me the discipline of repetition, of reminding my soul of where it finds its ultimate joy. Are you practicing every day the discipline of repetition? I will rejoice not based on my feelings or emotions. Paul is telling his soul, I will rejoice. So when the bottom falls out, and it doesn't seem like I can find joy in anything around me, and I can't find joy in life anymore, and I can't find joy in my relationships, and I can't find joy in my work, I have practiced the discipline of repetition of finding my joy in the one who is immovable 
who gives me an unshakable joy regardless of the circumstances. Part of Paul discovering the secret of life is understanding where his joy came from in the Lord. The second thing I want to point out is not only do we see the key to finding the secret of life in Paul's joy, but we also see it in Paul's contentment. The word content in verse 11 literally means fully and completely satisfied. In verse 11, he says, I've learned to be content. And then he says in verse 12, how to be brought low and how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What Paul is doing there with those words is he's describing the totality of life, that there's seasons of abundance and there's seasons of need. There's seasons of hunger and there's seasons of being satisfied. And what Paul is saying, I have learned to be fully satisfied regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation. But Paul says something even more profound. In verse 11, he says, I've learned. Underline that word, learned. Because that is such a freeing concept. Because you could easily look at the Apostle Paul and say, Paul, of course you're content. You're a super apostle. If there's anyone who could survive prison and survive hardships, it's Paul. I could never be like Paul. But even Paul says, I had to learn it. It did not come naturally to me to be content in every circumstance. I'm naturally anxious. I'm naturally fearful. I'm naturally a doubter. I'm naturally grumpy. I'm naturally not joyful. I'm naturally not a man at peace. That's what Paul is saying. I had to learn. And how do we learn? We learn through the word of God, immersing ourselves daily in the disciplines of grace, that I will discipline myself by God's grace to pray to him and to be in his word to meditate on scripture day and night, that I had to teach myself something new to be able to claim with the Apostle Paul that in Christ I am a new creation, a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come because the old creation, this stuff does not come naturally to the old creation. But I need to pray by God's grace that I would learn to be content. It's interesting that Paul says that I learned to be content, not only in times of need, but times of abundance. What's fascinating is we often think of being content when we don't have anything. We, We think of being content only when there's a need. Be content with the little you have. But Paul says we need to be content not only with the little we have, but in those seasons where we have too much. It was actually the reformer, John Calvin, that said it's a greater achievement to be content in seasons of abundance because it's in seasons of abundance where the stuff can become an idol. It can become a God that we live every day. What if tomorrow it all goes away? And Paul says in seasons of abundance and in seasons of want, I've learned to be content. I don't know if there's a place that's harder to be content than South Florida. Amen? 
with everything we have, the affluence and the influence, we need to be praying every day in a region of abundance, in a region of affluence, would we be content and be able to say the Lord is enough? If you're going through a season of need, is the Lord enough? If you're going through a season of abundance, is the Lord enough? God, you are enough. Not my money, not my relationships, not my spouse, not my children, not human approval, but the Lord, you are enough. I've learned to be content in every situation. The secret of life, to have unshakable joy and unshakable contentment is ultimately found third and lastly in Paul's confidence. The last thing we see that I want to point out in Paul's big secret is where his confidence ultimately came from. Verse 13 reads, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is probably one of the most quoted but most misinterpreted verses in all of Scripture because most of us read verse 13 this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's not the point of the verse. The point of the verse is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, it's a totally different way of understanding that verse. Paul discovered the greatest secret that his confidence was not in himself, but it was in the one who gives him strength. The emphasis of that verse is not on the I, but it's on the one. It is a Christ-centered confidence. And we need to read this verse in context. I can do all things. What are the all things? We need to read it in the context of the passage. The all things is all the things that Paul was just talking about. When I'm facing persecution, when I'm facing abundance, when I'm facing need, every situation, all the things that could come my way, I realize that Christ alone gives me strength. And the word through here in verse 13, that preposition in the Greek, should actually be translated in. So the verse should read this way. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. I can survive this marriage only in him who strengthens me. I can survive dealing with my prodigal children only in him who strengthens me. I can survive this illness and this disease in him who strengthens me. I can deal with persecution and injustice only in him who gives me strength. Paul's joy and contentment was ultimately found and secured for him in the confidence of Jesus Christ and in him alone. A Christian is an individual who says, my strength and my confidence is found in Christ alone. There's only two people in this world. The individual 
who finds their strength and their confidence in themselves or the individual who finds their strength and their confidence in Jesus Christ alone. One leads to death and the other leads to life. You might be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not the religious type. I've kind of moved beyond faith. No, you haven't. You either have faith in yourself or you have faith in Jesus Christ. Either you are the object of your religion and your worship or Jesus is. There's no such thing as an unfaithful person in this room and no such thing as an unfaithful person watching at home. You either think that you will justify your life and your existence through your righteousness or you will justify your existence through the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. I have learned the secret. I've learned the secret that faith in myself is utterly absurd but faith in Christ will only lead to fullness of life both now and forever. If you have never run to Jesus, if you have spent your whole life placing your faith and trust in yourself, I pray that you would run to him this morning. I plead with you that you would look to him as Paul looked to him that you would place your trust and your confidence and your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone and experience salvation. Repent and believe. The promise is if you repent and believe, you will experience, like Paul, the answer to the secret of life and have unshakable joy and unshakable contentment, both now and forevermore. This is the hope. This is the hope of the Christian life. That what seems elusive to the world is discovered fully in Jesus Christ and his good word to us this morning. Alan Gardner was an Anglican missionary. He traveled the world bringing the hope and the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. His last expedition was to the southernmost point of South America, a region called Tierra del Fuego. Alan Gardner went with six other missionaries. They were dropped off. They were supposed to be resupplied in a matter of days, but the supply ship never arrived. One by one, the missionaries died. After eight months, Alan was the last one remaining until he died as well. When the help finally arrived, a journal was found by Alan Gardner's side. And his very last words written in his journal with shaky handwriting read this, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. No supply ship, Abandon hostile enemy territory and you are overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God? I'll tell you what the goodness of God is. When I get everything I want on my terms and according to my desires, when I find joy in my external circumstances, Alan Gardner got it all wrong. 
No. Alan Gardner got it all right because he discovered long before his death the secret of life. Unshakable joy, unshakable contentment. Everything else was a chasing after the wind. Everything else, a miserable and hopeless life. As we wrap up this Thanksgiving weekend and we enter into Advent season, I want nothing more than for you to discover this secret, the secret of life, that you can have unending, unshakable joy and contentment in this life and the life to come, not by placing confidence in yourself, but by placing your confidence and your faith and your assurance in Jesus Christ and in him alone. I've learned the secret and it's in Christ. So that regardless of the situation, you, if you are found in Christ this morning, can say boldly that I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. Let's pray. Lord, what seems elusive, what seems impossible, is possible only through Christ the one who was born of a virgin, the one who lived, who one who obeyed the law perfectly on our behalf, the one who died on the cross and the scripture tells us he considered it pure joy. To think that he had us in mind on that cross, that on the cross all of our unrighteousness and sin fell to him, and by faith alone, his righteousness is given freely to us. Miracle of miracles. Help us to know and to discover the secret that Paul discovered that regardless of anything that would happen in this life, regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstances, we can have unshakable joy and contentment simply by placing our faith and confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. If there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching from home that has placed their confidence and their faith in themselves, help them to understand what a miserable existence that is. Help them to understand how exhausting that life is. Help them to understand that that life only ultimately leads to death and separation from God forever. But a life that repents and transfers their trust from themselves to Christ alone will experience the fullness of life, will experience eternity, both now and forevermore. What a gift, the greatest gift of all, to discover and to learn the secret of how to have joy and how to be content in seasons of abundance and in seasons of need. And for those that are found in Christ this morning, may we be quick this Advent season to share this message of hope to a hopeless world, that life is not found in our stuff, that life is not found in relationships, that life is not found in our material possessions, that hope and life is not found in our work, but life is found in you and in you alone. What a message to share. 
so that we are able to say, regardless of the season, great is your faithfulness. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.